What's good, people? It's your boy CZ here, and this is an episode of the Hybrid Club. Hope all is good. You know where to find us on the socials at the Hybrid Club, and you know where to find me at Cesays, C-E-A-S-E-S-A-Y-S. Transfer window is done. New signings are settled in. It is time to get back to the football. You know, the way some fans go on, and I say some fans, realistically, social media feeds aren't the... um are the way to really assess how fans feel. You know, we know how social media platforms work. The algorithms amplify the sort of more extreme angular voices to drive engagement. So it's not necessarily um, indicative of how people feel. But when you see the kind of um, outpouring of visceral discontentment, let's call it that, that uh, flowed following the announcement that Arsenal were interested in Jorginho, I've got to tell you, I think... uh, it kind of reminds you that while everyone is in a really good place with the club and how well they're doing and the way they've re-engaged with the supporters and how well the players are doing, that trust the process, faith in Arteta, faith in Edu is tenuous. And uh, I can't even imagine what any kind of a collapse in form would do to all of that goodwill. It just kind of showed me that it's it's it, it's... You know, a lot of good work has been done, but a lot of people are probably just waiting for some signs that it's a mirage to to kind of be, you know, to kind of say, oh, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. So I'm quite grateful to kind of put the transfer window behind us because there are some people, I think, who are more interested in winning the transfer window and kind of owning rival fans rather than, you know, enjoying the sport. And I get it. I much. I like bantering rival fans, rival fans as much as the next person, but it's about the football at the end of the day. So I am delighted to get back to talking about the football because, I don't know, the last couple of days in particular, I have really been feeling the absence of Arsenal football. Um, it feels like it's been forever since we played, even though the last game was, was it Friday? Was it Friday we played City? It just feels like forever. Genuinely, this feels like an international break. It feels like it's been two weeks since we played a game of football. So I am just excited to get back to it. And uh, look, transfer window's over. Trossard has come in. Uh, Kivior's come in. And of course, on deadline day, Jorginho came in from Chelsea. Um, I'm not going to spend much time talking about the Jorginho thing. I think it's been done to death. I think we all kind of know where we're at with it by this point. For me, I kind of agree with the fact that it's not who we all would have wanted and there's clear deficiencies there that could be exploited and probably on the odd occasion will be exploited but an incredibly um superior technical player fantastic technique incredible passing um very good defensively in terms of stealing the ball away picking people's pockets um but yeah just don't leave him open in wide spaces it'll be interesting to see how he plays the lone six because you know, recently managers have stuck, you know, fast um, sprinters, tough tacklers next to him to to cover the grass and make sure that he's not exposed. We, it's not that we don't do that. You know, I think the way Zinchenko comes in field a lot, the way Xhaka tends to drop and switch, um, you know, on the left-hand side of that midfield, the work that the likes of Saliba and Gabriel do to press up to sort of, um, you know, stop that wave of attack before it begins. I don't think he's going to be in oceans of space by himself in the middle of the pitch, but there will be occasions where he'll need to use his technique and creativity to get out of um, some tight pressing situations. So he does have the quick feet to do it, but can get caught out. 
luckily we've got some good sprinters behind him and um, a good solid uh, defensive foundation around him in terms of how hard the team work off the ball. So hopefully we have enough in the squad to offset any deficiencies when he plays. But that being said, of course, I think for a player who's on, you know, an 18-month contract, um, I, I, I don't, I don't think this is a bad deal. I know we've all got sort of scar tissue from previous deals with Chelsea, the William and the like, but I think we could do a lot worse than Jorginho. If you told me that he was going to be starting, you know, 15 of the remaining 19 Premier League games, I'd probably be a bit, a bit nervy. But, you know, if he starts four of them, five of them, you know, if he starts four or five Europa League games, you know, he would, he would have helped out. And I just got to make this point clear. It's just my perspective, of course. If, um, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, but if we lose Partey for a significant period of time, for me personally, if you lose Thomas Partey for a significant period of time from this side, you're in trouble. And there is no sign we could have made in January that would have changed that. Um, anyone who thinks Kaiseido would have walked into this team and just been on Partey's level in that position is is kidding themselves. That's not how it would have gone. He would have been good, but he's not that guy. So... Um, yeah, so I just think, you know, for the team to continue to do what it's got to do, key players have to stay fit. If you want to win the league, your key players have to stay fit. You know, everyone talks about the season Leicester won the league, their key players stayed fit. You know, they didn't lose Jamie Vardy for four months of the season. He stayed fit. Um, you know, Liverpool, when they won the league, players like Firmino, Salah, Mane played the majority of their Premier League games. They stayed fit. You know, the one season where Liverpool lost, you know, Van Dijk and a bunch of other defenders for months, they didn't win the league. They didn't come close. It was only when their players stay fit that they compete. So if you want to win the league, your players have got to stay fit. So for me, I think we've done good business. We covered the left centre-back position. Um, we got another wide forward in. Reese Nelson's coming back from injury. Um, Smith Rowe, hopefully, is coming back from injury. Jesus, we've just seen the images that he's back on the grass maybe another four weeks and he's back. Um, so add in Jorginho and we've got cover I know Sambi went out on loan personally I think the fact that we allowed him to go out on loan um, mid Premier League season tells you where he was at in Artessa's thinking so it's better for him to go play football I think when you are a young player at the stage of the career that Sambi's at you need to you need to play to develop you know Saliba is what he is now for us because we sent him away you know, multiple loans in France to play regular football. You know, Balogun, look what he's doing in, in Ligue 1. Shout out to Balogun. Top scorer in Ligue 1, doing fantastically well. It shows what happens when you get a loan, consistent first team minutes, what you can do. So, you know, Sambi's gone to, to Palace. He's going to get consistent minutes. Let's see what he can do. I have my doubts about whether or not he will, you know, um, be part of the squad for next season. But that's, you know, we deal with that in the summer. For now, I wish him well. I hope he does well. Never write anyone off. You know, there was people who didn't think that Eddie would be playing for us now, look. So I've learned my lesson in terms of writing people off. I hope he goes, I hope it goes really, really well for him. You know, wish him all the best, cheering him on. But we have to, of course, focus on ourselves and the upcoming challenge of Everton. Now, last game we played, 1-0 loss to City. Didn't really feel like a loss out of the FA Cup. Kind of happy for the lack of a distraction based on what we are going for this season. But we need to get back to winning ways. Um, and we are going up against an Everton side who will be very, very difficult. Do not let the Premier League table fool you. 
they were managed by Frank Lampard. I'm on record as saying, I think the fact that Frank Lampard was anywhere near a Premier League job is a crime. That I'm sorry, I've seen nothing to suggest that this guy should ever be managing. Listen, the Premier League right now, in terms of world football, is the elite of the elite. The only people who should be managing in the Premier League are the very best managers. Seriously, because the amount of competition, how difficult it is, the level that it's at, it should be the very best managers that should be managing in this league. Frank Lampard had no business um, being a Premier League manager. I'm sorry, that's just how I feel about it. Um, part of the reason that, ever, don't get me wrong, Everton as a club, they're being run in the most ridiculous way. They are, it's true. But testament to how badly Everton are being run is the fact that Frank Lampard was given the job in the first place. And the fact he kept it for so long, it was clear he was terrible, which is why I was so disappointed when he was fired right before we we were playing them. And fortunately for Everton, they did one sensible thing in bringing in Sean Dyche as manager, who I think is a great choice if you want a team to play robust. I don't want to say defensive football because I think it sells him short, but certainly robust football um, with some really good defensive actions. And if you're trying to stay in the Premier League, Sean Dash is the kind of manager that can do that. Um, obviously, we know how it ended with him and Burnley, but you know he kept them in the Premier League for more seasons than they probably should. More seasons than they probably should have stayed in it, and so it will be a tough game. Um, I mean, from from Everton's perspective um, and Dash's perspective, they might look at this as a bit of a, a baptism of fire of sorts, in the sense that you know they're going up against the league leaders, top of the table playing fantastic football, and he's had a few days to train the players. By all accounts, he's got them doing bleep tests and, you know, testing their fitness and seeing how hard they're running and getting them working. He, he might be at the stage of just getting them back to basics, you know, working hard, covering covering the yards, covering the spaces, staying alert, being concentrated, being organized. He's probably just getting them back to basics because Frank Lampard had them doing all sorts of nonsense. But... Um, but yeah, he'll be looking at this like he couldn't have had a tougher first game as manager of Everton. But we shouldn't um, take the game lightly. And I don't think Arteta will, to be honest. Um, I don't think he takes any games lightly in the Premier League, at least not that we've seen. Um, but look, there's like, what, 18 places and 35 points separating these two sides. So all in all, you're looking at this game and you're thinking to yourself, we need to be winning it, really. Um, no, no matter how tough a manager Sean Dyche is, no matter how hard his teams work, no matter what the characteristics of his play is and you know how he might want to disrupt us with the players we have, with the way they're playing, there is no reason we shouldn't be winning this game. Don't get me wrong, it's the Premier League, it is incredibly difficult, there are no easy games and this will not be an easy game. Anyone who thinks this is going to be a walk in the park, you're going to be sorely surprised when you see how hard Everton work. My prediction is that Everton will not be recognisable to the Everton of the last few weeks on the pitch. That's my theory. I hope I'm proven wrong or we just steamroller them 5-0. That's what I hope. But my suspect is this is going to be a very hard-working Everton side. They do have their own disappointments, disappointments though. They sold um, Anthony Gordon um, on deadline day to Newcastle, I think 40-odd million. Um, clearly that relationship had soured, which is unfortunate for them um, and their fans from their perspective in terms of you know, a local lad who came through their academy and then ends up sort of leaving the way he did. But given 
the relationship with the fans, the fact that, you know, the board are being told not to come to games because of threats, you know, fan, uh, players being confronted in the streets by angry fans. Their situation is not good. Um, but you'll remember, of course, and of course you remember because it is well documented on the All or Nothing Amazon documentary, that Everton were on a similarly terrible run. And then we rocked up to uh, Goodson Park and just, you know, gave them a nice little win to boost their confidence before they went right back to losing in and, you know, their manager left. So I'm, I don't look at the fact that they're in a bad way as a sign that we should steamroll them because, you know, granted that was then, this is now, but it just shows you what can happen if you're not 100% at your best. Um, Sean Dash has a lot to fix at Everton. Hopefully, this will just be a case of seeing who can do it and who can't. And he won't have had enough time to have got them into any kind of actual fighting shape. Um, we'll see how it goes. As I say, they're not really in a good place. Um, they're going to need to stop, first things first, just a poor run of form. I mean, I think they're on a four-game losing run in all competitions. They've got a winless streak of 10 games. Um, it's it's bad. It's really, really not good, which is why I say all the caveats about a difficult game, hard-working team, yada, yada, yada. We should beat this Everton side. We really, really should. For our purposes, we do need to get back to winning. Um, I think we saw a lot of positives from that City game, most notably the fact that there was some heavy rotation and we still put in a good shift, could have won that game. They won it by one goal. We easily could have won it by, you know, the studs of Laporte and Ketty is making it 1-1. Granted, wouldn't have wanted a replay, but you know, and granted, both teams weren't at their best. You know, City can play better than that. We can play better than that. But what it did say to me is we had a heavily rotated side. They didn't. If we can play better and they can play better, but they don't have, have a Cancelo, for example, I saw nothing that told me we couldn't beat City um, or at least take some points off them. So we need to get back to winning. Um, one of the features of, um, or rather one of the problems Arteta previously had in previous iterations um, of his squad is we would go on losing or winless runs. You'll remember that one right up into sort of, you know, um, was it Boxing Day 2021, I think it was, when Smith Rowe came to the side and the sort of fortunes turned around. Um, yeah, we, we also saw, you know, last season, um, Everton and United back-to-back, -back, for example, the Palace, Brighton, Southampton back-to-back, -back, Newcastle, Spurs back-to-back, -back, you know, Brentford, Chelsea, City back-to-back. -back. Several times across the last few seasons, Arsenal have lost or not won multiple games in a row, which has sort of derailed progress. Not, 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 not the case this year, you know, done brilliantly well, um, you know, for example, Drop points against United earlier in the season, which we shouldn't have done, went right back to winning. You know, drop points against um, PSV in Europe League, went right back to winning. Drop points against Southampton in the league, went right back to winning. Drop points against Newcastle, went right back to winning. So um, we've done brilliantly well. And when you consider some of the games we've had um, at the start of the start of the new year, you know, played the likes of Brighton, Newcastle, Man United, Spurs. We've done we've done fantastically well to take the points we've taken. So, what we have to do is make sure that you know it's not two draws in a row or a draw and a loss. We have to make sure that the loss in the FA Cup that's a one-off and we're back to winning. 
Um, you know, when you look at the run of games we've got coming up, you know, I'm looking at the next 10 fixtures because, you know, once we get towards the end of that, it's full proper, you know, running time. And in between, you know, we've got some fixtures that you look at and you go winnable, you know, Brentford at home, things like that. There's some tricky games, you know, we got, I think, Villa away in there, Unai Emery, you know, he'll either be terrible or difficult to beat one or the other. It's not really going to be in the middle, just chaos. You know, obviously we have City in, in there. Um, we're going to have a few tough games along the way. So if you're first in the table going up against a team that's 19th, you've got to get those points. Um, equally, you know, spoke about Sean Dyche and, and Everton. Obviously would have preferred to play Everton when Lampard was still in charge, but there we are. Um, one of the difficulties from our perspective, of course, is we haven't seen Dyche play. Um, we haven't seen him manage an Everton team yet. We haven't seen him set them up. We don't know what he's going to do. We all kind of know Sean Dash football, 4-4-2, very organised and disciplined. Um, you know, defensive lines compress the space, force teams out wide. We know how he played at Burnley, but we don't know if he's going to replicate that at Everton. We assume he probably will, because if you want to stop the rot and you want to, you know, stop goals conceding, then you compress the space, deep block, defend, you know, fight for your life and then exploit any chances you get, set pieces, throw-ins, whatever you got. Um, so we assume he'll, he'll adopt those tactics, particularly because he has some players um, in Everton who know him from his Burnley days, Dwight McNeil, uh, Tarkowski, but he's also got players there who suit his system, you know, a Dominic Calvert-Lewin, for example, Um so he's got plays he can he he can rely on. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm kind of curious to see what happens there. There's no blueprint, um, so you imagine that Arteta will be focusing more on our style of play rather than trying to second guess what Burn. Uh, see, I'm really Burnley. Second guess what Everton might do, um, which I think would be the right approach to be honest. When you're playing the kind of football we're playing and we have the kind of talent we have. I don't see why we shouldn't focus on ourselves. I mean, look, when, you know, we're talking about being, um, you know, uh, first place, you know, played 19, won 16, drawn two, lost one, 45 goals, 16 against, a plus 29 goal difference, 50 points. You know, 50 points in the first half of the game on pace for a 100-point season. Compare that to Everton, 19th place, 20 played, 3-1, three, 3 one drawn six, lost eleven, only scored fifteen goals, conceded twenty-eight, minus thirteen goal difference with um only fifteen points on the board. I mean, they've got, I think, the second or third worst um XG against in the league. But again, that was Lampard's Everton, and I expect Dash's Everton to be a bit different. Um, of course, given how the teams or how we think they might play, um they're going to be some some players who are pretty important and they're, they're the usual suspects you'd expect you know Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka all going to be crucial to how we play um in this game with Everton under Lampard it was just just terrible you know um their attackers would get cut from the rest of the team easily their defense will get pinned back by the opposition Iwobi and Gray you know Iwobi's had a bit of a renaissance and Everton has been doing really well on the ball very good technically Damari Gray is pulled Everton from the brink a few times with some brilliant finishes, but they're not necessarily the best defensively. So you'd end up seeing the attacking trio get cut off while the rest of the defense get pinned back by the opposition. Um, 
yeah, no bueno. Sean Dyche, on the other hand, you know, we know what he did at Burnley, and I'm kind of, I mean, if he, he you never know, he might pull something completely different out of the bag, and everyone kind of thinks Sean Dyche is, you know, a quote unquote four four two merchant, and he pulls out some, you know, uh, sophisticated, you know, uh, tactical display that no one saw coming. But the reality is, he's only had a few days with the team. My guess is he's want to get gonna want them organized, and the first port of call is don't lose. Could be wrong, but I'd be willing to bet that's the idea because with only a few days in and you need to get your ideas implanted on the team, you need to stop the losses. Don't lose has to be the order of the game. So I'm going to assume we're going to see the Sean Dash 4-4-2. Now, when he was at Burnley, um, you know, they would sit in a deep 4-4-2 block um, and the idea would be to compress the space infield to force the play out wide. So when the opposition go out wide... Um, you know, they've got their big defenders at the back, can block crosses and that kind of thing. So you're not really going to try and throw in Cedric-style aimless crosses into the box because they're just getting cleared all the way out. Everton have got Yerry Mina at the back, Tarkowski, Connor Cody. You know, we're good in the air, but Eddie up top, Saka to one side, Martinez to the other side, you know, throwing in them crosses. It's not what we do anymore anyway. Um, so what ends up happening is the opposition go out wide and you end up sort of with... you your winger going one-on-one with their fullback. Um, you know, their their winger will come back and help defensively to track the attacking fullback. And so you end up with sort of a two-on-two. You then have, um, you know, their midfielder come inside. And so you end up with a defensive sort of three-on-two. One of their two strikers drops into the midfield to cover the midfielder who's gone to help out in the defense, covering the, the defensive space in the um, by the fullback. So essentially they kind of shift over and just block the space um, out wide and they force you to do a big switch and go to the other side where they just shuffle over and do it again. Um, whole idea ultimately would be to force some kind of turnover, get the ball up top to one of the big men. And if they can, you know, play the ball in behind and have someone uh, sprint the full ball forward, great. Otherwise, hold up the ball, let the other team, let their let their teammates catch up or win a free kick, throw in and reset, go again. And when it comes to attack, if they're a bit further up the field, Rather than sitting back, they'll compress. So once they're a bit up the field, they'll compress, they'll press you, try and win the ball, and try and score from there. Take advantage of a set piece, wherever the case may be. So that is what I'm expecting from Everton. The difference is, of course, Everton have maybe a bit more attacking threat than Sean Dash's Burnley's did. I think Sean Dash's Burnley had some very pragmatic, functional players who knew exactly how to play Sean Dash football. Um, but Everton have probably some better attacking talent. The question is, do they lose something defensively with those players? Are those players defensively disciplined enough to do what Sean Dash wants them to do for 90 minutes? That's the question mark, really, for me. Um, but they do, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is better than any of the strikers Sean Dash had before. He's been a little bit rusty since he came back from injury, a little bit off form, but he is. Um, you know, Neil Mope, a player I really don't like. I really, really don't like. You know, wait, I just, I just don't. I'm sorry, I don't. Um, but very tenacious, very hardworking. Someone we might see at some point in the game, maybe. Um, you know, midfield with Onana, someone that was loosely uh, reported to be of interest to to Arsenal. Decore as well was there. Um I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting setup, I think, for ourselves, given that they're going to try and force us wide, given how tight the space infield is going to be. 
I think really we're going to see, we're going to need Odegaard, Saka and Martinelli to be at their best. Odegaard potentially being able to play through the lines, quick feet, tricky feet, connecting with Saka. Um, I think that's going to be crucial. Equally, um, Martinelli on the other side, um, running at their fullback, you know, using the speed, using the tenacity, making them work hard. I think that's that's going to be crucial. Ultimately, you know, they've got a goalkeeper who divides opinion and can be a little bit, you know, a little bit Marmite, but is a very, very good shot stopper in, in Pickford. So we're going to need to be shot monsters. We're going to have to create a lot of chances, a lot of shots on goal, because the chances are he might have one of those games where, um, you know, he's just saving everything that comes his way. So don't get me wrong. I'm not pessimistic. I'm not sat here saying that I think, you know, they'll turn us over and anything like that. I do think we've got enough to win. I think we should all be very disappointed if we don't win. I just don't think it'll be easy um, by any stretch of the imagination at all. Um, but there we are. I'm, more than anything, I'm just, number one, really excited to get back to some football. Like I said at the top of the show, I'm, I just really want to get back to talking about actual football, you know, um, I get it. Deadline day transfers. You know, we needed to we needed to um, add to the squad to be able to get us to the end of the season because we know what's on the line. We know what's possible. But yeah, sometimes I just want to get take get take it back to the football. So I'm excited to see what we do. As I say, you know, we're playing the team 19th in the table. Sean Dash has what had a few days to work with the team. No incomings. Lost. You know, probably their best player. If there was ever a time you know, where you should be able to kind of negate the new manager bounce. This should be it. So we'll see how it goes. Um, as I said, curious to see what kind of football we get from Sean Dyche. I think we know, but let's see if he pulls something out of the bag. You never know. In terms of the starting lineups, that's another curious um, curious one. We know for ourselves, El Nenny's out, ACL, probably won't be back until October um, contract is up in the summer, but reports are that Arsenal got off from a new deal. I've seen a lot on this, and I've got to say, you know, similar to the Santi Cazorla situation, I like it. Um, I'm on record as saying as that I wouldn't have given him the contract last season um, because we needed to rebuild the squad. And for me, the players who you bring, you really shouldn't have players who are comfortable sat on the bench. And I'm not saying that he is in the sense of that he doesn't want to play. Obviously, he wants to play and contribute. But I think every player in your squad should have the the capability of um, displacing the person in, in the current starting eleven. You know, if Ben White slacked, Tom Yassi would eat his spot 100%, right? Um, you know, I think um, Martinelli and Smith-Rowe, when both fit, they go at it, right? I think... Um, Eddie Nketiah has shown that he's not just there to sit there and watch Jesus ball out of control. Eddie's there to try and get as many minutes on the pitch as possible. And it took an injury to get him some minutes, but he's showing what he can do. I think you need a squad who are trying to push their way into the first team. And for me, Elneny, like Cedric, for example, is one of those players who, at their best, doesn't come close to dispossessing the person in front of them. So I wouldn't have done it. But the fact we did, I could understand it because it was one less position for us to have to cover. Unfortunately, towards the end of uh, the summer deadline day, he was injured, so we tried to do it, couldn't do it. Douglas Louise couldn't get it done. And then towards the end of this window, another injury we tried to replace. 
this time we did manage to get someone in but it means rather than being an addition to Elneny they become the Elneny replacement in Jorginho so the fact that it's such a you know I wouldn't necessarily be like oh I'd be happy that Elneny got a new contract if it was a you know if it was a short-term injury you know if it was just a hamstring three weeks and he's back then obviously not but an ACL is a pretty serious injury and being without a club recovering from an ACL you know there's a lot there's a lot that comes with that so I think it's quite classy of the club to give him the security of not having to worry about finding a club while recovering from an ACL I think that's a a positive thing and also you got to remember this isn't FIFA it's not football manager these are real people it's a job it's a workplace I think it's really really important that you want to you know you want to foster a certain sense of family as as cliched and you know ugh, as it sounds you kind of do you want people to feel like the club have their back and i think if you want buy in from the players you know arteta has done a lot of work about culture and behaviors and if you want the players to buy into that then the club have to respect those values and i think you know, Elneny is a well-respected, well-liked member of the team who works hard, very disciplined, contribute, contributes to the culture around the club. I think if the players saw the club sort of treat Elneny as if to say, well, yeah, thanks for the years, but, you know, you did your ACL, so no thank you. I think if they saw them do that, you know, it's just it's a bit of a shitty thing. Like, if you've ever worked in a workplace where you've seen your workplace treat a colleague in a bit of a shitty way, it makes you look at the workplace a little bit, you know, it, it makes you think, mm, is that the place I work? It, it, ultimately bills have to be paid. We all understand that. But ultimately I think for me personally, beyond all of that, I just like the idea that our club takes care of its people. And, you know, in recent seasons due to the pandemic and other situations, that's not always been the case. Um, granted necessity is what would be argued, but when we did it for Kazula, I, I liked that and I like that for Elneny. So I'm glad the club are doing that. If true, if the reports are true, I'm glad the club are giving him those assurances so he can focus on recovery, getting himself ready. And look, if he's back by October, November, it's just an extra body. It's an extra player we can play in a cup competition, FA Cup, League Cup, wherever it is that's going on by that point. That means we can rest some of our, um, our other sort of more senior players. And look, maybe by January, we negotiate um, a transfer for him and we get a fee rather than leaving for free. So all in all, I think it's a very low risk, low cost contract that doesn't stop us doing any other business, but protects him and gives him and his family some kind of security while he focuses on getting better. So for me, no brainer. Um, but obviously it means we don't have El Nini for this game. No Jesus, though. As we said, the images show that he's back on the grass running. I'm sure it's just light work at the moment, but a few weeks away and he can be involved. You know, I don't imagine he's going to be thrown in on the deep end, but I imagine he'll be he'll work his way back slowly. But good to see him out. Nelson back in training. Again, it might be too soon this game for him to be involved. Um, you know, with Trossard there now and Kivior on the bench and Jorginho there as well. Questions about whether or not he'd make it into the match day squad with the numbers we have, but Another wide player who can deputise for Bukayo Saka in, in certain games, I think is is more than welcome. So happy to see him back. And also he's another player whose contract is up at the end of the season. He'll be trying to push for minutes to show why he should get another contract. 
I think we've seen a change in approach and attitude from him in the sense of, you know, he went from being the original star boy of the Academy, um, you know, and, you know, when you listen to interviews of him talking, he talks about understanding, you know, what the situation is Arsenal, the, the situation he has here, how good the club is. I think those loans away would have showed him that not every club is like Arsenal. You know, I heard Jack Wilshere speak about that. He talks to the young players all the time and says, look, when you leave Arsenal, you realise this place is special. Um, and I think he would have seen that come back and realised the opportunity here for him. The opportunity here for Reese Nelson is he can be an Arsenal player and it's a special thing. And when you look at what the club are doing at the moment, you can understand why anyone would want to be a part of that. So he'll want an opportunity to prove himself, to win a new contract and be part of this club for a few years yet. So hopefully he can get back in training, get back some minutes and really show what he's capable of. If he does that, maybe he lands a new contract. Who knows? Maybe we give him a short contract, sell him, make some money, or maybe he goes on to be a you know, contribute member of the squad. Either way, if Reese Nelson does well, we all do well. Um, not sure the situation with Smith Rowe and Thomas Partey. Um, I just, you know, we didn't see Partey in any of the training pictures that have been released by the club. Um, now, obviously, he took a knock against City and went off. Um, and so there was questions about, um, you know, whether the injury was long-term. It sounds like it wasn't. I suspect the club are maybe just being a little bit um, opaque about his fitness just so as to not give Sean Dyche and, and Everton a tip off as to whether or not he will or won't play I think that's the reality of it I am all but certain he'll play and if he doesn't it means a debut start for Jorginho in the six and in a game where you would expect us to dominate it'll be an opportunity to see exactly what kind of a six he is and how well he, he contributes because you know if he's we all heard he's, uh, you know, we all would have seen the Cucurella video where Cucurella says he's, you know, the most intelligent player at the club, not realising that he's left. Um, Jorginho is an incredibly high IQ player that we know, and Mikel Arteta has been after him for some time that we also know. Um, so if there was a game for Jorginho to step in and have his first start and show us what he can do, Everton is a perfect game because, you know, if he comes in at six and he can't handle this, we know this transfer is probably going to be a dud, not to judge it too soon, but like, you know, 19th place Everton, if you can't handle that, I don't know what games you can play for us really. So it will be, um, even with a short number of training sessions, he should be up to speed enough to be able to play the system, um, given what we know about his football IQ. But maybe I'm being unfair. You lock in touch, you tell me if I am. So I'll be curious to see if Jorginho starts, but I'm pretty certain Partey's fit and he will. Um so yeah, I'm 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 expecting the starting lineup that we typically have for our games. Um, I'm not expecting anyone to be missing unless there's any last minute uh, injuries or, or or you know issues. I think Trossard's partner is expecting a baby any day now, so maybe he's missing from the squad if if there's news there. But all in all, I'm expecting a um, a full strength squad. So we'll see we'll see what's good. I'm excited. I do think we'll win. Um, like I said, Sean Dash's teams are, you know, very, very difficult to beat. But like, you know, I, I, the way we're playing, how good we are, the quality of our football, if we can't win here, we have no business talking about the title. That's just the reality of it. So if you want to be champions, you got to beat, you got to take on all comers and beat them. Um, you know, like I said, we, we rotate our side and, competed comfortably with City. 
I didn't see anything that told me we couldn't beat them. So with a rotated side, if we could do that with our full strength 11, see no reason we don't win this game. So we'll, we'll see what's going on. In other news, um, as reported by David Aldstein and um, Fabrizio Romano, new contract for uh, Martinelli, fantastic news. One of the three main contracts we need to uh, we need to deal with at the moment, including Saka and Saliba as well. So congratulations to Martinelli on the new contract, committed his future, four and a half year deal. So his previous contract was ending in 2024, so next year. Um, so this deal, I think, takes him to 2027. Um, haven't seen any reporting on the reported salary yet or anything like that, but I imagine it's a significant bump, uh, bump in salary for him. And to be honest, well worth it. The guy is an absolute phenom. Um, just how the likes of Barcelona and Man United let him fall through their grasps is beyond me. What they saw that made them think this guy wasn't it, I don't know. Um, all I know is I'm thankful that we saw it and went for it. Um, particularly at the time when not all of our chances worked out. So, yeah, new contract for Gabriel Martinelli, fantastic, protects his value, keeps him here for a while. You know, he's saying all the right things, making all the right noises. And to be honest, the club are going in the right direction. So let's just keep it up. And who knows? Sky's the limit. Um, as well, congratulations to Bagayo Saka, who's been included in this year's football blacklist. Um, and that's an initiative which shines a light on influential uh, black people in, in uh, British football. So he's one of um, five active players who's involved. I think uh, Marcus Rashford was nominated, as was Ryan Sterling, um, in relation to sort of inclusion work off the pitch, which is great. Um, also nominated was a former uh, Arsenal women's player, Leanne Sanderson. Um, so she was recognized for her work in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, fantastic, fantastic work that she does. Um, great to see her nominated. So yeah, congratulations to them all. Um, really important work and, and great representatives of the canon out there in the community doing good work. Um, but anyway, that's it for me, uh, for me, people. Let me know what you think. Let me know how you're feeling about the game. Are you excited? Are you nervous? Like I said, it feels like we haven't played football forever. So it's just, it will just be nice. And while midday kickoffs can be a bit weird, um, particularly, you know, we're away from home. It'll be nice to get the game out of the way early um, so that we've got the rest of the weekend. So if we win, it's, you know, it's a comfortable weekend because you kind of just sit back and you see what else, what everyone else is doing, you know. Um, I think Chelsea are playing Fulham. So let's see what kind of squad they pick from their 57 squad players they've got. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious to see what what's going on. You know, Man United have got a new midfielder in Sabitzer. City didn't buy anyone, but they did lose Cancelo. I mean, look, Nathan Ake has done brilliantly. Um, you know, it, they've got some, obviously, some amazingly talented player, but you can't just, you can't help but feel like losing Cancelo has to have some kind of impact on their season, particularly if they get an injury um, to Ake. But it's, in any case, you know, we'll see. There's lots of football to play, lots of time to pass. It's way too early to start thinking about anything other than just the next game. And of course, that is very much what we've been focused on. So anyway, you know me, it's your boy Caesar. You can find me at Caesays, C-E-A-S-E-S-A-W-A-S. You know where to find us at the Highbury Club. Um, yeah, get in touch. Let me know your thoughts. Thank you very much to all the listeners. And we will talk to you probably in the next pod will be on Monday. Um, 
do you know what? I might end up doing one sooner. The next the next scheduled pod is on Monday, but I might drop one over the weekend, depending on sort of what happens in the game and just how excited I am to talk about it, to be honest. But yeah, otherwise, next pod on Monday. Anyway, people, take care. Speak to you soon in a bit. In a bit.